ondas, primos y primas, and welcome to my primos podcast. My name is Freddie, and with me tonight I have a special guest, Mr. Josh Loera. Say what's up, Josh. What's up, Freddie? How you doing? What's up, primos and primas, primes, primex, primex, Latinx. There you, go. <laughs> you know we're all inclusive here. Uh, yes, I'm doing sir. good, man. I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, seeing me again. I was just on his show. If you guys don't know, he does host a podcast. We'll get into that. As well as he's an artist that made a big change to pursue that dream, which we'll we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, I was just on his show last week, Creative People Time. So I love the the play on the CPT, the colored people time. You, <laughs> you know, got that? so yeah, of course. <laughs> and then I, I also got the mix of uh, the CPT because my wife's from Compton, so we got to know this oh. all from the CPT. But anyways, we'll we'll dive in. But let me get the spiel out of the way. You guys know this show is a weekly podcast that comes to you for free. All it costs you is a share, a like, and subscribe, guys. Do so. And, of course, we also have a YouTube channel now. We've started. So we do have uh, the interview with Teddy Blas on there, uh, the video version of it. If you haven't checked that um, podcast, it's a good one. Uh, we'll be moving that forward. Whenever we do interviews, we'll make sure that those are on the YouTube channel. So just search My Primo's Podcast on YouTube and, of course, on all the social media. And, Josh. Before we uh, dive into you and the, uh, the the vast information you're going to share with us today, how you been, man? It's been about a week, you know. So how how are things? How, how are you feeling? How what's going on in your part of the world? Um, I'm feeling good, man. I've been good. Um, yeah. So first off, thanks for for joining me on my podcast. That uh, I was listening to it, and I, it's one of my favorites, dude. So I'll go ahead and say that. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I thought I talked too much. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. That was <laughs> the perfect amount of talking. No. Um, yeah. So thanks for doing that and appreciate you having me on. Uh, this last week has been interesting. It's um, I'm uh, I'm launching. Well, I'm dropping an NFT this Friday, which is this is which is the thing, you know, it's like, yeah, man. Um, we tried. We, it was crazy. Me and Chikume <laughs> talked about it months ago. Yeah. And we're talking. I'm trying to convince him. Like, dude, have, when NFT started barely creep, creeping up, I'm like, yeah, we got to get in on this. We got to make an exclusive NFT podcast that is unheard anywhere, you know, and try to make something happen. But then we started digging. It's not just make something and throw it out there. There's a whole process, right? It's a bit of a little process, but it's not as crazy. Like I, I felt the same when I started the research, but once I started taking the little steps, I was like, "Oh, it's not that, not that much." Cool, man. I mean, you're an artist. We'll talk about that, right? And so you're gonna start, uh, I guess, developing an NFT. Are you almost through with this? Uh, like, where are you in this process? So yeah, it's uh. So for this process, I'm. I have the NFT made for this first drop and I'm treating it like a comic collectible. So the comic book itself is, is free as you know, that you read it on my site. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like the comic that you could take and you could beat up, but then you want the collectible on the side. So the NFT is the collectible or like, for instance, like if it was a lunchbox, you know, there's collectible lunchboxes or so, Oh yeah. The, yeah. So every issue I'm going to create a new one and in theory, they would be the, the cover and the back cover 
and it's like a 3D uh, image. Cool. So it's something that if if they're a fan or just a, co- a collector that they can get their hands on this NFT. So it's a full version of the book. Not really. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like a representation of it. So what I did was I created a 3D like block, like a like a, a rectangle with the same dimensions as the cover art, mm. uh, which is the same dimensions as I use that same file to print the comics. So I got some pr- comics print, printed coming soon. So, and then when I, I took that 3D image, put an animation on the front. So there's like this lightning happening on the front and like magic. And then it rotates and on the back, it says the, the back cover and it just kind of does that over and over. Cool. And over. So, so I mean, it's a, it's a collectible, right? It's a trading yeah. card in a sense that has go. a cool effect. Cool. I'm in, I got it. Well, <laughs> Josh, uh, you know, we met, we met through Instagram, we hit each other up and you kind of dropped in the DMS and you and Chikume had a conversation because, well, let's talk about it. Okay. You started out as far as you mentioned to us, hey, I was an engineer mm-hmm. that, and I'm just abbreviating everything, but I'm an engineer, Yeah. but I'm also an artist. And I just moved to Guatemala, dropped all that, and dedicated myself 100% to art. So let's, let's digest that. And... Where did you grow up? Like, where did you, where would you grow up? Where's your family from? And let's kind of start there. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was born and raised in Northwest Indiana. Um, there's a couple, there's, so, and that's what they call it, the region. They call it NWI, the region, um, region rats or whatever. Like, so it's like this suburb of Chicago now, but it used to be this uh, metropolitan area around the steel mills. So, yeah, my grandfather on my mom's side came to the U.S. when she was young. She was like uh, between like five and six, four and six, I forget, because he got a job at the steel mills there. Like, so he's from a steel mill. He's from a town that had a steel mill in Mexico called, called, uh, damn, I just forgot it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh so my dad, he's, he came much later in age. He came around 17, 18, um, because his uncle got a job at the steel mill. So like, there's like this industry that was built around the steel mill. And then since then the steel mills have had a long history of ups and downs, financially layoffs and et cetera. But personally, that's, that's the reason I was born in Indiana, so the steel mill is the reason you're there. Your family, uh, that's what they worked in in that industry, right? Yeah. So then, boom, uh, you grow up. You're, you have a family. Well, not you, but you're, you're part of this family. Uh, you're yeah. born. You're born into what? How many siblings do you have? I mean, what's the family dynamic like? Sure, I got, I got three brothers. I got one older brother and then two younger twin brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're twins. Uh, so I'm like the middle, even though it's a round number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so my parents, so my dad never actually worked in the steel mill. He, he just kind of like, he kind of piggybacked off my uncle uh, who eventually died in the steel mill from an explosion. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So, and he was, um, he was my godfather, but uh, 
so my dad did a bunch of odd jobs, learned carpentry. He learned being a handyman and kind of been, he actually um, spent the last like 25 years at a, at a, as a qualified member of the engineering department. So he had that technical side too. Um, besides, you know, it's, a, it's impressive when you hear, yeah. especially Latinos getting to that level. Um, porque desde chiquito, everybody says, Oh, be a doctor, be an engineer, be this, mm -hmm. be that, you know, it's always kind of what you're, what you're taught, but your family actually was working around steel around that industry. And to be that far North, not to know that, but uh, usually you hear about more Latino communities working in agriculture in, you know, in, in, verdad, agriculture is really what we're known for construction. Of course, we have a hand in that. Uh, but I grew up in Southern California. So for me, South of the border, that's where everybody came from or came to those, those Southern states, right? Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California. But as I learned and gotten older, I've seen people go end up in Canada, England, end up in the East Coast, end up up north. Like, how 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 big was the Latino population when you were growing up there? It was it was it was actually pretty big. The little town that we lived in um, was called Hammond, Indiana, and it was I remember like preschool, kindergarten. It was mostly Hispanics, like and Mexicans. Um, a couple towns over, um, there's this town called Gary. If you've Michael Jackson's from there, oh okay, Gary, Gary, Indiana. Then there's like East Chicago, which is not in Chicago; it's the city in Indiana. Oh. Anyways, where where it gets more diverse and it's more, there's more uh, black and uh, you know Puerto Rican and etc. But Hammond was really really pretty Hispanic, and and yeah, you're to your point. My dad actually when he came up, he worked in the strawberry fields. Uh, so picked their strawberry fields up there too. So he was picking strawberries uh, when he first got, he came, uh, when he first came as an undocumented immigrant back then. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's admirable, man. You trip out, like looking back and you kind of feel bad because you know, you take it for granted. You're kind of like, Oh yeah, well here I am on the internet talking for fun my dad was out there digging holes in the ground and picking fruit and like just so we can have this, you know, but Hey man, shout out to the parents. Definitely out there. Definitely mm -hmm. shout out always to the parents that, that made it happen for us. But so you, you grew up there you're in Hammond. Uh, what was the plan for you? By the time you started thinking about the future, like high school wise, were you like, Oh man, I want to play sports. I want to go into steel. Like what was your mind at during that time? Yeah, my mind was all over the place, but no, but uh, yeah, it was it was early on that it was I was showing skills in art, and then it was also early on that I started showing uh, proclivity and in science and and math, you know. So obviously the the family kind of dynamic was always promoting the education side, the, the, ma the math and, and science more and, and kind of pushed the art as a hobby saying, we know you're good at this, but, yeah. um, but it's also, you're, it's a, it's a hobby. Like what, what do you want to do? So over time I kind of was, was uh, guided whether it was from my family or from the school, you know, because they, you know, the tests showed the same thing that engineering was a good, 
fit, quote unquote, based on you know whatever test that they gave me. Um, you can build a bridge. We get it, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. So it it was more like it, I remember one test they gave us. It was like a it was like an aptitude test, right? And um, it said you're good at math and science and this, and you're also good at spatial and drawing and this. And so I remember there was one there was there was like two columns of like jobs that I could pick for the future. And one of them, one column had more creative stuff and it had like writer and author and like whatever. And they were all like, they gave us like a preview of like the, the, the income and they're like 15,000 a year, 20,000 a year. And then over here it was like 50,000 a year, 70,000 a year. And I was like, and I remember that I, I remember one of the, one of those moments being one of them where I was like, uh, I guess I should probably pick this way. So, you know, it's, it, but it's the truth, right? Like, I think because and this is the thing. My my mom works for a wealthy family, uh, taking care of their kids. She has special needs kids, and uh, she always tells me, she goes, "Man, there's no reason why your son can't do the things these kids get to do," you know. And the fact that because they have a safety net. You know, they've had the privilege, you know, these kids have money, they're, they're white, they're born here, their parents born here, they're Trump supporters. So that gives you a picture of what, they, what they're about. But uh -huh. what I'm getting at is my mom was a big push when she saw that and she's thinking, damn, like, why can't your son take swimming lessons? When did you ever think our parents were like, yeah, let me go pay somebody to teach you how to swim? Shit, te aventar al rio and you figure it out, right? But... <laughs> Like what we get to is that our our people have been taught to survive. Like yeah. our parents are like, hey man, you gotta survive. They want you to be able to take off on your own because they don't want you to struggle like we did. Those kids can take a year off and go learn juggling and go smoke fucking pot in India. Like it, we can't. We have to mm -hmm. have a plan and we have to have something going. And if you want to draw on your days off, it's a bueno. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And that's kind of how it was, man. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Like now my viewpoint on it, because I, I, th I think, I mean, things are changing with the internet and like, but, um, but yeah, back then I was like, all right, well then I'll go this way. I started taking engineering. Like they, they offered like high school and middle school level like in intro to engineering classes that I, t I was taking so by the time i graduated uh high school i was i was like i was set to be going into engineering and yeah i even took this uh engineering book boot camp um pre wow. yeah it was like pre uh <laughs> freshman year in college post senior year in in, in high school because I knew that I was going to have a tr trouble as a person of color um, getting acclimated to, to something like that, a higher education. My parents didn't know what, uh, you know, going away to college meant. My, my older brother had gone to a local community college and was not a community college, a local branch sure. of Purdue. Yeah. Uh, that was um, like an annex, know, like a just... Yeah. Yeah. Like 30. Yeah. So like Purdue Cal, Purdue Cal, you met 30 minutes away. So he would go to school, come back home, go to work, go to school. And so I did this boot camp. I paid for it myself, like from money I was saving up for my job. And it was like five weeks and you go through this intensive version of the first semester of engineering. 
so that and they cram one semester into five weeks so that when you go through your first semester, you're not starting on your back foot like most people of color are. So, I mean, so it took it took uh do that a lot in like India. They did a lot in like uh, in in Japan. I think I've seen where they do a lot of like cram classes and and these schools you pay for to get crammed, cram, cram, cram before you even start school. It's like damn. But like we talk about, it's an industry, right? Those countries think about it. It's about industry. It's about surviving. It's about making sure you're taken care of. Uh, getting in a good company, getting salary, and just that's kind of the goal, right? And you went through that. You went to school. In the meantime, while you're you're freaking going crazy, what's going on with the art? Yeah, that was it. Kind of it. It fell off for a long time. Honestly, I didn't draw. I didn't draw for a long time uh, in the way that I had started doing so after college, but, um, there was other things that, that I tried to be like creative with. Like I would, I also played guitar growing up and oh, cool. like I got into like writing, uh, rap lyrics and like, uh -oh. so you were, you were rage, you were rap rock, you were limp biscuit, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, I, I honestly didn't do a lot of the, the mix like rock rap, but I did enjoy both types of music and I did, huh. you know, write, Raps. So yeah. So it was. So while I was going to college, if if I you know if I had a free moment, I would like kind of write little lines and lyrics and stuff like that. And then so, but that whole pretty much five years, I didn't draw like at all. Like I remember the first drawing I had done in college was like my senior year, and it was not, it was not good. <laughs> and it was like maybe ge geometry and shit it wasn't like an actual drawing it wasn't like a marvel character it was a fucking square and a <laughs> hexagon right well actually i had to do a lot of that for engineering classes like i did a lot of drawing squares and, and that's what how, that's how they get you by the way they're like you're good at math you're good at science you're good at drawing you should be an engineer because they draw shit there you go you get into engineering it's like you drawing like this circle, square, gear. And it's like, oh fuck, <laughs> this is the worst thing in my life. So, so you finish no, school and yeah, you get to school. So you complete, you finish school, you get your degree. And mm -hmm. what? What? What's your degree in? Because it's not like you didn't get it. So you earned it. Well, yeah. What is your degree? I got a degree in civil engineering, a bachelor's in civil engineering. Yep. Cool. You're in Chikume. We'll high five at this point because that's the yeah. same thing he's doing. You know, yeah, yeah. He's doing digging holes in the ground and testing soil samples and all that shit. And he says he wants to build a bridge. That's his thing. But he's also mentioned that you know that it's competitive. Latinos aren't necessarily the the biggest uh, race running in there, but that they're coming up. That it's not like it's not happening because, like you said. The emphasis has always been there. Be an engineer, be an engineer, be an engineer. Yeah. If you go back and listen to our old episodes, everybody, there's an episode called The Engineers. We talked to an electrical engineer. We talked to an environmental engineer. We talked to Walt Chikume. So there's plenty of things out there that you can do. If you dig this, hey, man, if you have a passion for it, you can find a way to make it happen. Oh, yeah. But Josh, what happened with you? <laughs> yeah, dude. So, I mean... Yeah. So let me go ahead and, and double that up for you and, and say, yeah, it's definitely possible for anyone who wants, who's interested in that to do that and, and, um, 
and do so successfully. You know, as far as the issue with um, people of color, there is, there is, you know, kind of a barrier, a barrier in the sense that there's not, they're not as good as hiring us, you know, um, but he's lucky to be in Texas where the, the Latino population in the engineering fields are pretty high. And then you start going closer to the border and in Houston, in Houston, there's a company called Entech. They're running the game out there. And as far as like, like uh, transportation, text yeah. dot type work. Okay. All, all the people on all the owners, there's like all the presidents, they're all Hispanic. You go into their office, all Hispanic, almost all Hispanic people, you know, just That's some, awesome. some outliers. So companies like Entech, but then you go to like Brownsville, everything is everything is uh, Hispanic. Everything's Mexican and or, well, yeah. or Mexican American. <laughs> so like he's, you know, if he's searching, Houston is booming right now. I know Austin's a little bit tighter and if he's willing to make to move, you know, but anyways. oh yeah, he's doing good right now. He's doing some work for some company. I don't know. Yeah. But okay. um, he's doing some contract work. He's good. He's out there in the field. That's why he's not hanging. He's just been like, hey man, uh, yeah. I, I gotta go do field work. That I ended up sense. in Oklahoma randomly, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess yeah. you, we're not gonna be in the show for a while. <laughs> but what what got you to the point where you're like, oh, well, let me slow down. Okay. How much time did you? do as an engineer i mean because i mean walter for example there was a while where he was just the grunt you know like he's just doing all this grunt work and he's you're getting your licks in and then he had to earn the right to be a project manager earn the right to hire people like how much time did you do well i spent five years in the industry and it's it's interesting because um i had bounced from I had like three jobs in five years. Um, and when I started out right out of college, I had a job lined up at a construction company um, because they need engineers to like, you know, read the plans and, and interpret. And so I was like the management part of the company, but it was, it was fucking horrible, man. Like it was just, it was just like writing invoices, paying invoices, mm. tracking invoices, logging hours it was just like it was the most mundane and an hour like it was so time consuming they expect you to be there 7 a.m or 6 30 a.m to 7 or 8 p.m that was like standard and i was making a salary so long story short i i quit construction to go into sales um and so the sales job that i got um was in Texas in Houston. That's when I made the move. So, so six months out of college, the first six months out of college, I'm in a construction company. After that, I moved to Texas, uh, Houston, and, um, and now I'm in the sales position. And so this technical sales role, so is, is essentially selling to engineers. So your brother works at an engineering company. I would show up at engineering company's door or I'll call them and say, Hey, we have this technology that could protect the shoreline, mm-hmm. gotcha. save some money. It's cost, you know, cost benefit analysis in the long term. Can we sit down? I could show you how to implement it into your project. And when it goes out to construction, that construction company will have to buy my material and then install it. And then I, you know, my company makes money. Maintenance, so. et cetera. And yeah, I got you. Cool. So yeah. you're doing sales, then 
when did the shift come? When do we hit that wall, right? Because I always talk about hitting that wall with work. Like I run into a yeah. wall and I'm like, I do not belong here. I'm almost self-sabotaging without even noticing it. Like, oops, made a yeah. mistake. Or, oh, I'm coming in late. Or like, when do you hit that wall where you're like, I can't? It's it's kind of interesting because it was a slow burn. Um, and so I... I had two different sales positions in the, in the five years. So I worked at two different companies, three at one company, two at the other. And the first like two years at the first company, I was, I was like killing it. I was working long hours. Cause in sales, you still have to put in the hours. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and I was getting the sales and there was a point where I was like, okay, now that I'm getting the sales, I'm going to spend more time after work practicing drawing and doing a hobby to because that's it was always something I wanted to do. That was always like it was always an aspiration to be able to have enough money and have enough time to to draw. And my so drawing was, never never disappeared for you. It was more so you you didn't like one day go oh shit I could draw like just remember that you can draw. I mean like it yeah. was it never went away. It was always in the back of my head like. I know I can draw. I want to be able to draw sometime. So I finally started consistently doing it after work. And I remember at the first company, I asked my boss, the CEO for a raise. And because um, I was doing good, I was doing well. And and they, they were so um, volatile that I never had a consistent manager. So there were, essentially I was managing myself and going out and making sales myself. And mm. so I was like, you know, can I get a raise? And he, and I didn't ask for much. It was just more of like, you know, more of like a symbol of you appreciate me. Can, Give me a reason to stay. Right. And so he was just like, you know what? Um, sorry, there's some background noise. No, you're good, man. Yeah. It's the real world here, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, and he was like, you know what? Um, I'm not going to give you a raise right now, but if you get your... FE, which is your fundamental, your, if you pass your FE to get, which is, if you pass your FE, which is a test called the fundamentals of engineering, and then you pass your PE, which is PE, professional yeah. engineering to get your professional engineering license. Cause you don't need all that to, to make sales because you got engineers behind you doing all the work. Yeah. So he's like, then I'll give you X amount of raise. And by this time I'm, I'm like, I've already, I'm already valuing this time after work so much for my drawing that I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, I, yeah. I've Cause then you're back, so you're back to cram school. You're back to yeah. killing yourself, you mm -hmm. know? And like, that shit's not easy. That shit costs money. It costs time. Like Walter's always telling me, he's like, oh, I got to go do this. Cause I want to get this. I want to get my PE. And then they only guarantee me that I can get this. And there's always dangling some, some fruit in front of you, you know? Exactly, dude. Exactly. And I didn't need it. It was more like it's them putting me in a circle, you know, whatever the uh, mouse wheel. Yeah. The wheel, the hamster yeah. wheel, hamster wheel. There you go. And, um, and I was making good money. Like I was making more than I would have been making if I was in construction or if I was in, you're comfortable, uh, right? You're comfortable. Yeah. And work is work. You hit a wall. Because I may remember, like, it's hard to have a personal life in sales, man. I was in sales for so long. 
My yeah. wife damn near fucking said, hey, change jobs or I will not be here one night when you come home. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was gone. Like you said, I was gone from like nine in the morning. I didn't come home to 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, Sometimes clients, skills, out clients, clients out or I would be working on things or they would, like you said, I don't know if it's a Latino thing, man, but we work hard mm-hmm. and they see that and they take advantage of that mm-hmm. and they dump more responsibility on you. Like that's a fucking reward. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, guess what, man? You're going to shut it down now. You know, we trust you with the keys and trust you with everything and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and the invoicing and the inventory. I'm like, okay, cool. More pay, you know, a, a nickel here, a nickel there. And you get sucked into that routine. Did you even have a personal life? Yeah. So that first, the first two years I didn't really, and it was more the, and all the drawing was mostly on the weekends. And then, so after I made the decision, like, I'm not going to go and get more schooling. And the, and also after two years, you kind of build a rapport. So you could kind of skate a little bit on, on that. You don't, you don't have, even though working harder would make you more, you could take your foot off the gas. And so that's when I started like, okay, these four hours after work from six to like 10 um, for at least two, if not three, you know, more days a week are going to be art learning you know, what I would be doing for engineering for the PE or the FE, but I'm going to be learning and and building my skills in in my art. So that's what it was. So, so that's, so that's two and a half years in, I spend another two and a half years doing, doing that before I leave. Let me stop you. Yeah. So during this time, if you're, if you love to draw, it's because you like art. You're watching, reading, doing something like at this time. What are you watching? What are you reading? Like, what's getting you pumped to want to draw? I mean, I'm not saying you can't love fruit and want to draw a fruit bowl, but like, there's something that motivated you to keep wanting to draw. What are you watching? What are you reading? That's a good point. Um, I was trying to, I was actually trying to take in as whatever I could. Um, I remember this show on Netflix called, um, I think it was just called design and it was like each episode was a, a different designer and they were talking, they were talking about people making um, shoes, designing shoes or designing. Um, oh yeah. There was one that did like glass blowing or something, right? There was some glass blowing. There was yeah. one, this lady that was like on the intersection of science and art where they would try to make materials out of like, they're essentially talking about what if we can make a concrete that grows instead of a concrete that's mixed. Like the mixing of concrete is so detrimental to the environment that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, how can we create something else that anyways, she's making all this stuff. So I'm taking in things like that. Um, Honestly, the big part of it is like movies and like nerd shit because I'm, I'm I'm all about it, man. Yeah. I'm a big Marvel fan. I remember the first drawing out of college, um, I made, I did a, a Star Trek drawing, even though I'm not a super big fan of Star Trek, I enjoy it. My girlfriend's a huge fan of Star Trek. So I, so she liked it. Um, so that's where, that's where I'm getting a lot of my, but is it Star Trek, like all Star Trek or is it like next generation Star Trek? Like, Oh, uh, it was the movies. Oh, okay. So movies. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So con all that I'm with you. 
I'm no, it was, it was Shatner. Uh, yeah, no, it was. Uh, who's the girl that plays Gamora? Uh, Zoe Saldana. Yeah, so Zoe. Oh, those Star Trek movies, the newer yeah. ones, the ones that yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of explosions. Okay, yeah. I got you. Okay, <laughs> okay. Not the not the old school William Shatner, yeah. but the new Star Trek, the 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 new ones. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of where I get my inspiration from. Also, just I like drawing faces. You'll see a lot of portraits. So I kind of just use that to uh, promote like people of color, women of color in, in specifically um, because a lot of the artists you see on Instagram, they're just like, you, if you go and see a, uh, a movie, like let's say someone that just draws movie stars. It's like a whole Instagram page full of white dudes, some white women, and then one or two black people yeah. so, or, or, and brown people are pretty much non-existent. So it's kind of like, all right, well, I want to be the guy that draws brown and black people so what what let's move forward in your story right so yeah. you hit that wall you're doing art and then because i know the i know that your your story i read your blog i read i went through your website you know because i'm a thanks. completionist i like to, to read and know who i'm talking to thanks man. but something happens to make you make a huge decision that not just anybody would do you just left the industry yeah. Not only left the industry, but you also left the country. Yeah. <laughs> and dedicate yourself 100% to art. And you ended up in Guatemala. Tell me that adventure. Yeah, dude. So so there was a point, yeah, it, within those last two and a half years where I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to change careers. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know it's going to be something creative. I did some exploring, took some classes in like UX and UI. I've read some books, uh, um, got an idea for a comic book. And so it's just like all these different things that, that I think would be good to explore fully and then hopefully start a career on. So I created a plan of like in the next X amount of time, I'm going to save up money and then I'm going to quit. And by that time, hopefully Christine will have a job and and then she could help me out, support me a little bit, but then I'll, I'll have some, some, some savings and I could essentially take some time, like you said, take a year and put myself through what I'm calling art school on my, you know, independently. But what happens is um, she graduates with her, she gets her master's at the end of 2019. So like December, 2019, she gets her master's. And she's looking for jobs. She gets a job in COVID, with the COVID response team for Harris County. And at the same time, she applies to a, to a um, fellowship, which would be in, in Guatemala. So she, she kind of forgets about the fellowship. She's, uh, she's working this COVID response team. COVID if you don't mind this- me asking, like, what, what does she do? Oh yeah, she's she got her master's in uh, uh, public health. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, she got Makes an MPH. Yeah, she's got she's an epidemiologist. So that word is on the news all the time. So that's what she is. Um, yeah. So she's she's out trying to manage Harris County's response to 
and and in the contact tracing for for COVID. At the same time, I am I'm now isolated to home because going on sales calls is not so great, right? Oh yeah, uh, not a, not a great idea. She finds she finds out a couple of weeks into her job. I got this fellowship in Guatemala. I'm leaving in September. No, in yeah, in September. And uh, I was just like, this. I was just like, okay, well, my plan was to be here for a whole another year and save up a whole another year. But I think we can make this work. And if you want to, I could come. You know, actually, she invited me before I asked. I don't want to be the guy like. Hey, can I like? I made a call. Come. You? <laughs> no, she was like, "Do you want to come with me?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah, fuck it!" So, crunched the numbers with my savings, um, started preparing my condo for rent because I had a condo out there, which and renting now, and uh, made the move. Shipped my dogs out, sent <laughs> shipped my computer and stuff like that over, and now I'm in Guatemala. Where in Guatemala are you guys? Uh, we're in Guatemala City. Okay. So we're in this, uh, we're in zone 16. Okay, cool. So you're not like in Esquipula somewhere, like, you know, where my tia's staying at in some real, real tip, rural little town. Because uh, I have a tia that lives in Guatemala now. She left Salvador, a lot oh, of cool. issues in Salvador. So she went to Guatemala to avoid them. Uh, a lot of Mara stuff, you know. And uh, in Guatemala, I mean, your family's from Mexico. How often did you go to Mexico, honestly? Honestly, I went as a young kid. Uh, before my parents uh, divorced, I went every every year to Juarez, uh, Ciudad Juarez, uh, yeah. by El Paso. We yeah. drove we drove every year. But to be honest, my Spanish was never that good. <laughs> uh, my parents didn't like didn't like actively teach me Spanish. It was you know English first, and then they spoke. Yeah, because again. You have yeah. to survive. No English, mm-hmm. all that. I get it, man. I get it. Yeah, dude. But so you going to Guatemala was that a uh, not a total culture shock for you? I mean, is your girlfriend Latina as well, Hispanic as well? Yes, she's Nicaraguan. Uh, oh, okay. She's okay. she's pretty fluent colloquially, mm-hmm. um, and way more fluent than I am. And honestly, it. It hasn't been that much of a culture shock. I've been I'm learning better Spanish, and I don't use it that much because I'm home a lot, and so I only go when I'm che- checking out of the store or like, you know, saying hi to the to the people that work here. But this this we're really kind of secluded, like you said. We're not in the rural parts. We're she works for the CDC, you know, so she yeah, so they hook it up, man. And we're yeah. and, and th- this uh, community that we live in is like a development, so it's. It's it's up there with the best of the places that we live in Houston. Um, cool. And then yeah, and it's walking distance to like the church and and. Uh, I mean, how scary is it for you or for her? I don't know. If it's something she you can answer, but it's like, how scary is it that you watch her go to work every day, or if she does leave the leave the leave the apartment and go deal with the front line, legit, like with the fucking viruses out there, like. <laughs> When yeah. she comes home, she's like, "Don't touch me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go louse and then we'll, you know, like, how is that? Yeah, that's 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 not. It's funny because she works from home still. Like, they're they're not doing. They're not going out, and 
they're not going out and like dealing directly all the time with the community. Sure. Um, and actually this fellowship is around HIV. So, okay. Yeah. So, so there's no real issue there with her being in any danger, quote unquote, right. We're all got to be careful. Amen. I'm still wearing my mask. I got vaccinated. I'm same. careful. I avoid all that, you know? So it, it, it's good. Good. I'm good. She's, I'm glad she's uh safe. So then yeah. you're in Guatemala. You're, uh-huh. you're learning there. You're figuring out there. You're enjoying what you can living inside this bubble. So mm-hmm. this is the time to start working on your book. Talk about your comic book. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I had come up with the idea at least a year ago, if not longer. And I, um, I took some time to like read on how to like write. Um, I read this book called story by Robert McKee. Have you heard of that? No, it's, I haven't. Uh, yeah. It's essentially like this big ass book about how to write a script for a movie. So I'm, you know, I read that. I read some uh, Joseph Campbell, if you've heard of him. Uh, he's, he's kind of, you know, that's kind of tied into like mythology and building mythology and yeah, world building. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, finally last October, I was like, I'm going to start this comic book and I want it to be, I want it to be focused around Brown characters, you know, and Brown superheroes because you obviously don't, I'm, I'm on the same page with, uh, with your, your uh, cousin, Eddie, I think. Yeah. Who, who's like, I'm not seeing it come through. I'm not seeing Brown people come through in, in casting for DC or in their, comic books or in marvel or in their comic books or in all the offshoots invincible is a little bit better even that that stupid uh jupiter thing was super white you know yeah very (laughs) and and that was after i had already started but anyway i was like i'm gonna write something for us by us and i want it to be brown characters and they got all these superheroes coming out of um nordic mythology out of roman mythology out of so on and so forth they even have like jesus as a superhero sometimes like um so but where's where's all the aztec mythology and all the you know central and mesoamerican indigenous mythologies Um, yeah because i couldn't think of one so i was like i'm gonna create superheroes i'm gonna Based them off of the characteristics of me and my brothers because I was I was feeling inspired by them that day, and um, and I'm gonna write a story around it. So yeah, that's kind of that's that's kind of how. It so came. let's uh, for those that are don't know, which for this comic book is free to read right now on your website, right? And we'll link that here on the show notes too. Yes, but sir. give us the 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 quick pitch. Why should someone come read your book? What is your book called? And Give us the, the pitch. Yes, sir. So the book's called Nawali, uh, Modern Aztec Heroes. That's going to be the, it's kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nawali, Modern Aztec Heroes. Nawali is a word from the Nahuatl language, which is the language that the Aztecs spoke. And, and now the, and the Nahuatl people, which are still around. Um, and I think a lot of other tribes speak Nahuatl. But so now Nawali means um, sorcerer, shapeshifter, like bruja, essentially. Oh, okay. So, okay. 
So that's what that word means. And really the story is a story of coming of this first one is a story of coming of age of these heroes. Um, I'm ex- I wanted to explore concepts that, that uh, Latino Americans and Chicanos deal with around like ni de aquí, ni de allá, you know, yeah. like uh, Selena. Um, concepts around um, parenting for for uh, for brown kids and the sacrifices that parents make and and their kind of super powerfulness in in and of themselves. Um, I made them adopted because I feel like because me and Christine don't want to have kids, and if we ever do have kids, we want to adopt, and so. Yeah, the the story should be relatable if you're if you are brown or if you're not, if you are Latino, if you're not, if you care about indigenous or if you don't. But I wanted to bring that to light, and um, and yeah, these these the story is going to be these kids figuring out their powers, figuring out themselves, and then the parents doing the same. So one thing I noticed about your book, and it's it, I recommend you guys go read it. Um, Go ahead and give 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 your website out, and then um, I want to dig in a little bit into your book. Sure, I actually just bought a new domain, so this will this will direct you to my site, and it's very easy, much shorter than my existing domain. It's uh, tmcrtv.com. Tmcrtv.com. Exactly. So it's like t- so time machine creative. Um, that was that's kind of like all my accounts and. Currently, it was bef- before that. It was Time Machine Dash CRTV dot com. So it's a little bit more, much easier. TMCRTV.com. So what I noticed in your book, there's actually a lot of deep meaning in your story that I'm not going to take a lot from it because I want people to read your book, right? And I know you're always open to people giving you feedback and, and telling you what they think. Yes, this is a coming of age story where these. Uh, these kids are going to learn about their, they have special abilities and they're learning about it. And the parents are overprotective, uh, rightfully so because they're Latino parents that are worried about their kids. They're worried about, I look at it as almost, a, a correlation between don't speak Spanish because they'll know you're, you're, you're Mexican. You know, like back in the days, like my mom and dad would be like, hey, just use English, you know, just to protect you. Because I'm mm-hmm. passing, you know, I'm very light skinned. And so it was very easy for me to just speak English and never be asked twice. You know, but my cousin's darker complexion and my sister's darker complexion than I am. You know, and and honestly, during the, like the, there was always an issue with that, with race. And so I look at your book, your characters aren't necessarily blatantly throwing that out there, but it is like, hide this. Don't use this. Don't be out there in the open. You know, hide this ability, hide these powers. But in reality, I feel like it was more deeper than that. Like, hide your your Latinxness or hide your Hispanicness, hide your 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 roots because they're afraid of what could happen. Yeah, dude. That's. I'm glad you caught on that, and I didn't think to say that. I'm glad you caught on caught that because. Um, that's definitely how I wrote it. That's definitely how I wanted to write it. That it's um, that it's 
a responsibility that these kids had to take on early at an early age, which is a theme in, in Latin American communities, taking on responsibilities that may not have to. And like you said, hiding somehow, somehow trying to hide to assimilate um, so that you're not picked out. Um, and I remember growing up, my parents, you know, they would say stuff like, don't say this about the, how we're doing this, because then they're going to, they're going to take you away from us. It's like little stuff like that. No, but then no, also- no, it's, it's, it's true though. I mean, they're, they're worried about their family. Mm-hmm. You know, they, how many people didn't, you know, or they know they got just fucking deported or just disappeared. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm, and you know, I'm, I was born in the U S so I, I didn't have to worry about that, but my dad was undocumented uh, for a little while. And then I've met a lot of, friends that are undocumented over the over the years so that's another like parallel where i have a friend that became an, a chemical engineer um who was undocumented and she is she's like she has ptsd of worrying about getting pulled over worrying about getting caught without her without you know getting caught on the wrong day stopped by police or Getting, so yeah, she lived in a, a constant state of anxiety. And now that she's stable and has a job as a chemical engineer making great money, she can't shake this feeling of being targeted and being in danger. So that's kind of that. There's a lot of things that I think line up with that kind of. Um, I like the fact that. Theme. You're telling kids, Latino kids, that they have a superpower, you know, that you're Latinidad. If some people hate that word, you know, but yeah, you being Mexican, Latino Americano, Hispano, whatever you want to call yourself, Latinx, you have a superpower, you know, that it's inside you, that this culture, this language, these beliefs, these, like you said, these mysticism that we don't know much about because of the colonizer because of who writes our books you're telling them hey you're gonna learn how to how to use this power and you're doing it through your story yeah yeah exactly and like that's that's my intent that's why i started with the kids book um because i could have jumped straight into them being grown-ups but i really wanted to build them up this way um and also, I didn't want to use a Spanish word because Spanish is a conqueror, ling- conqueror language, right? Yeah, yeah. And even in Latin America, especially in Latin America, sometimes there is that that um, the societal look looking down on people with darker complexions, and and what I've heard called a pigmentocracy. You know, and then mm, there's the yeah. whole historically like mejorar la raza and et cetera. Um, so even it's so what I wanted to do is tie back to something that's not in the terms that we use today because I grew up being called sometimes beaner, wetback, spick, et cetera. And even if they're not using those words, the the mindset towards a Mexican American or Mexicans in general or Latino people in general, especially those of color are of a lesser status. 
you know, similar to the pigment pigmentocracy, whites here, and as you go down, you go down. So leaving those words and reaching back into something that came before the colonizers to a culture that had had it, sure, it's it's faults. You know, people always go back to like they were beheading people, they were sacrificing people. The Spanish, you know, the Spanish church was also sacrificing people let's, and murdering right, people. Yeah, let's talk about the crusades, right? Like, <laughs> right. Let, yeah. But they were an advanced civilization. They were they had technology that 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 the Europeans didn't have. There was artists and Renaissance people, artists, technologists, mathematicians, scientists, um, poets. You know, there's a guy named Nesawal Coyolot, who was a ruler of the Aztecs, but also was a poet and an engineer and et cetera. So, so that's why I kind of went, that's why I kind of went with a word that wasn't Spanish. I think it's smart. You're pulling away from what someone would typically use just to mass market, right? We want everybody to read our stuff. Like it's always that hard thing for an artist to be like, I put a word in Spanish in here. Should I translate it or sh or am I writing it for, for my people? You know, like who am I writing this for? Yeah. Right. And that always becomes an issue. And I've learned someone told me write it for you, you know, you're the one writing it. Don't worry if you want to translate it. Okay. But just write it for you. As long as you're happy with it. Great. If you feel you need to translate it. Okay. Yeah. But you're starting out with this book, this series. And so definitely, you know, go check out his book, uh, you know, Go look at it, read it, uh, let him know what you think. He's always available there online. He's always busy uh, putting up his artwork and things like that. So I'm always keeping keeping track myself. Yes, sir. Um, I really, I'm excited to see where this goes just for the fact that I, I was able to read between the lines and see what you're trying to do. It was very good finesse telling the story. So I, I'm all for it, man. You remind me of, uh, I don't know if you know this gentleman by name, Gonzalo Alvarez. He's uh, writing a book called, uh, it was The Legend of Pollo Man. Uh, mm -hmm. Now it's, the, I believe, The Legend of Pio Man, P-I-Y-O. But he was also on the show a few times, a good friend of the show. He's been super busy. Uh, he got a book deal to write his comic book. And wow. he was very focused on wanting to create a Mesoamerican Middle Earth, if you would. Like mm. a token kind of Mesoamerican where... All the gods are mentioned, all the Yorona, all the traditional things that we talk about, and empowering a young kid to become a superhero within that realm, and making it very kid friendly and very um, approachable. And so you kind of remind me of that in your sense. So you're, you're you're doing good work, man. When multiple people are doing it, you get a, something 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 good's gonna happen soon. You know, not to say that. There are other artists doing it. They're pushing their narrative. Yeah. We have, you know, our good friends of the show here. You know, we have Javier Hernandez, Arturo Rodriguez. They are doing El Peso Hero, you know, El Muerto. Uh, you know, we have the guys from Five Meats doing their books, you know. Yeah. Uh, we have plenty of people that we talk to, keep in touch with, that are, are really pushing it out. Terry Blas, you know, like he's doing Reptil, that story, you know. Like I love his Whole journey with that you know taking an unknown latino character and really giving them a great story to work with yeah. um josh you know 
we talk about your work. We talk about, you know, your story, your journey. Uh, I'm excited to see where you go, man. I really applaud you for, for doing your, your, your artwork. You also have a podcast. So let's touch on that here. Like, what is your okay. podcast focused on? What's uh -huh. it called? And then just talk about it. How'd that come about? Sure. So, um, so yeah, my podcast called is called creative people time and, um, it came about at a point where, so I listened to a lot of like, a lot of like Gary V if you ever heard of him and he's always talking about get on all the platforms, make as yeah. much content as you, as you can. And if you don't have a podcast, make a podcast. But I was like, I don't want to make a podcast if I don't have a good idea. And if I don't have something worth putting out but at the same time as a huge consumer of podcasts there was the, i got to a point where i was lacking kind of the same way i was lacking in the the superheroes um comics i was lacking in hearing creatives of color and their story um their stories either around creativity or around just themselves. So what I wanted to do was, was bring light to creatives of color, tell their stories in, in a structure that, that I, that I got from like the, the same way I'm writing the comic. I want, I want to ask the stories, the questions in, in a story format. So it's like a, a long, I wanted it to be a long form kind of like Mark Marin or like, yeah. Uh, Carlos uh, Carlos Watkins and so on and so forth where I sit down and tell the origin story of creatives of color and well at least that's the first season like I want the first the first uh, interview to be the origin story and then after that I want it to be um, you know just you know just shooting the ship hopefully telling more stories after that but the 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 bringing to light people's stories has two functions so that people will know that it's possible to do it if you come from a similar background but also to hopefully to hopefully create a relationship with this person and whoever's on the other side of my podcast because creating the relationship is what's going to create um, it's, it's what's going to create like uh, what's the word um, loyalty to, to your show. So if someone hopefully hears your, your interview, they're going to find something a little bit, they're going to find something deeper than if I just said, Hey, go listen to my Primo's podcast and showed a picture of your, your logo. Yeah. You know, so in that sense, th those are the two functions. Hopefully, that come out come out of it. No, I mean it, it's a good idea. It works. I mean, we're doing it on this side. You know, we're putting light to Latino creators. And I said we started out with one idea, it evolved to more, and it's just the fact that our voices are out there. Like you said, someone says, "Hey, I don't ever hear a Salvadoreño on the podcast." Boom, here you are. You know, or hey, you know what? Like, I want to know about this. There's always a niche, right? I've yeah. learned that there's plenty of room for everybody, oh, yeah. right? It's always plenty of room for everybody. So yeah, the I'm pumped. I was on your show. I enjoyed myself. 
I kept talking. I feel like I was just too long of a show personally, but Hey, that's why I have my own show to talk. <laughs> there you go. There you Speaking go. of things that I like to talk about, let's talk about some geeky stuff because here I am excited, pumped. Have you watched at least some of the, you told me you watched a little bit of it, but I want to talk about the Ghostbusters trailer that came yeah. out today. What have you, are you a Ghostbusters fan? Are you not? Are you interested? What are your thoughts? I'm I'm interested because I'm always looking for more content, new content nowadays. Like I talk shit about Marvel and DC about being not diverse, but I'm going to watch it. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> like, even though DC is kind of struggling on the movie side, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I saw it and I was like, "Oh, dude, that's pretty cool." Like, Paul Rudd is is a guy that I I like to watch. Like, I love so. Paul Rudd, dude. That yeah. dude doesn't age. My wife was watching um, the '90s Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. the one that has DiCaprio in it. Uh huh. He's he in that same. movie. He looks like fucking exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's in Friends. Like, yeah. he looks the same. He doesn't age, dude. He's immortal. Maybe he yeah, should have been in the Eternals instead of Ant Man, or there's something with the quantum mania that I don't understand. Yeah, but that dude is, is eternal. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, for one, am excited. I used to watch the cartoons. Oh. I watched the movies, but I watched the cartoons like crazy, crazy, crazy. And so. I remember like the the new Ghostbusters that happened too, like in the '90s. You know, the younger, hipper. You know, uh, they were trying to compete with the turtles, if you would, uh, mm-hmm. at the time too. So like we had the old school cartoon, goofy, cartoonish Slimer, and then you had like the darker versions, and then we had the all female Ghostbusters that came out, which wasn't that much fun. In my opinion, I didn't really didn't enjoy it. It wasn't anything to do with them. I just didn't like didn't dig the story. This, this, yeah, there you go. Not a, a lot of people didn't, uh, but this new Ghostbusters man, it it checks the boxes. You know, it's just like ooh, nostalgia. Oh, Egon. Hey, it's that kid from Stranger Things. You know, yeah. like you start thinking, oh shit, Paul Rudd. Like it looks cool. It's not goofy, at least from the previews. Yeah, it looks. Like a, dare I say, Harry Potter-ish kind of like level, like the yeah. sleep, like the at the end of the the the, the, the was it Deathly Hollows? That kind uh-huh. of vibe, dark was, yet fun. I was gonna say that same thing. It has like a a little bit of a darker, creepier vibe, which lines up with ghosts. Like, why hadn't they done that yet? And and bringing in kids to it, it's got the whole. And I didn't notice. I, like I said, I didn't watch it like fully and I wasn't paying attention fully enough, but I, I did get a vibe of uh, Stranger Things, which I s- so much enjoyed. So if they bring in that like kid energy with the with the 80s, essentially do Ghostbusters version of Stranger Things, I think that's going to be a hit. It's supposed to be current day, right? But I love yeah. the vibe we're getting because you're, you're, you're putting all the elements you're yeah. attracting the Ghostbuster fan because Dan Aykroyd's in it. You know, his voice comes out in it and they even show Slimer. So you're like, oh shit, you know, like the old man like me is going to dig it. And now I got to run and show my kids like, hey, Ghostbusters, let's talk, you know, because yeah. I need you as hyped as I am for this. 
you know so yeah. i'm excited for ghostbusters it looks really cool i will say it immediately when i saw um uh, when i saw the uh, secretary from the ghostbusters show up i smiled i was like oh shit you know it's her like it it it's all connecting the dots so i dig it i'm excited ghostbusters everybody let me know tweet at me let me know what you guys think let us know of course in the discord which you joined we need more activity in the Discord, everybody. We just can't have six guys in there talking <laughs> to each other. We need more. We need more. We need yeah, more yeah. and we need more. Come but, through. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll try to start some conversations in there every once in a while. I did recently. Yeah, we talked about um, what we're we talking about, about Wolverine. You said yeah. that Wolverine should be a Latino cast, right? I think he should be a Latino. I actually said he, he should be cast as a black person. Oh, a black person. Excuse me. A, an indigenous person. Uh, maybe an indigenous Canadian. Yeah, because we talked about that. I think Chikuma chimed in saying that he should be indigenous because he's from Canada. That yeah. It makes sense to be an indigenous person from Canada. And I, I'm down. You know, there's a lot of things that I I think my, my quote was, it's a comic book. Origin right. stories <laughs> can be changed. Like, yeah. we can make it happen. Like, why not? So I, yeah. I'm all for it, man. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for those roles being switched up. Like, I don't know if you, um, you know, as Oscar Isaacs, you know, Guatemalteco, you know, kind of touching yeah. base there. Oscar mm -hmm. Isaacs, he's going to be Snake in the Metal Gear game, movie. He's going to be a lot of things, man. That guy's he's going to be Moon Knight, right? <laughs> he's going to be all these roles. I mean, he's Oscar Isaacs. Don't get me wrong. I, I like yeah. the dude. Uh, so I'm excited that we're getting our foot in the door. Hell and yeah. he's getting this love. Moon Knight is dope. If you don't know who Moon Knight is, he's like a very dark, bloody Batman, pretty mm -hmm. much. Um, and Metal Gear is, if you're a video game geek, there's this white dude that's a clone that's a badass. And it's just a lot of espionage and spy stuff. So keep an eye out, man. You know, it's happening slowly, but it's happening. Yeah, it is. And I would, I always have a, uh, I take those things with a grain of salt because I know that, Oscar Isaac is so in Guatemala, even there's a big, um, there's a big Jewish population and in Central America, Ooh. as you know, in, 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 uh, in Mexico and everywhere, you don't necessarily have to be a person of color to be Latino. So I would always push back and say, Hey, you know, cast some Brown Latinos too. There's, True. you know, there, there isn't just one Latino and he's like, you there's know, more than one. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, and he he is of a of a lighter complexion, and, and I think he's I believe I'm pretty sure he's of of Jewish descent. But anyway, I'm not gonna knock Oscar Isaac because he's doing his thing. He's a great actor, and I enjoy his movies. And I'm gonna de definitely watch Moon Knight. I mean, it's it's either Oscar Isaac's or Pedro Pascal, right? Isn't that all we're getting Those right are the now? Two ones, yeah. <laughs> Those are the only two that are allowed right now. Well, and then you have Zoe Saldana. You know, you kind of yeah. start having that conversation. Oh, a darker complexion, you know. But there was a whole conversation with that too. I remember years ago where she played a black person, African American descent. You know, because that was the role she was given. There yeah. was the, the roles weren't for Latina character. You know, yeah. so Except it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and she's not. You know, she's just playing the role. Yeah, I don't know. We watched the Colombiana a couple of times. It was just not very good, but it's fine. It is it's what been it a is. Wow. I it's remember okay. it being good, but it's been a long time. I it's, been, eh, it's okay. Some things don't hold up, man. <laughs> like, but for but for whatever reason, 
you can have 12 Fast Furious movies, and that apparently sells millions and billions and billions of dollars. And they uh, got one Latina in there, too. The, the one. The one. Yeah. The one <laughs> Latina. But, you know, I think, like, The Rock should be honorary Latino or something, because that was in everything. And, um, he's, you know, dark complexion, and he's, you know, I might as well. It's kind of like how Manny Pacquiao is honorary Mexican. Because they just the, the Mexican yeah. people say like, hey, Pacquiao might as well be Mexican for them. You know, he's Filipino, but like honorary. Uh, yeah, he's not that different from an Afro Latino, The Rock, because he's got he's got black and he's got indigenous. Uh, what's the country out there anyway? Uh, he's from uh, Pacific Islander, right? From Tonga and all that. Yeah, because I was gonna say Hawaiian, but it's not Hawaiian. It's it's um, yeah, Pacific Island. Yeah, Pacific Island. I believe I, I'm. I don't know, but specifically which or falls under but yeah i think that that would be something to consider too but i'm also slowly getting rock fatigue like i'm kind of like okay like we talked about it's the rocks and everything yeah the rocks and everything i don't know man something's something's gotta pop you know eventually they'll run out of white people i don't know because we need something else yeah dude i mean that's kind of like my intention too like hopefully uh, one day I can start casting some brown people in the movies uh, around my Noali, but I mean, The Rock is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of our time. If you say it like that, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in so many movies, just a swole dude. I mean, he's a better actor, I think. Rock is than Arnold. Yeah, it is. He is. He is a better actor. He's he's fun, dude. Hey, don't get me wrong. I. I his Instagram is fucking awesome. It's hilarious. He he yeah. does tons of stuff on there. He's very active on there. And I'm gonna I'm a sucker. I'm gonna watch Black Adam. You know, like yeah, Same. I'm gonna watch it. You know, he's that's it. Um, uh, so you know, getting closer to shut down here, Josh. You know, we geek out and got to know you a little bit. Which I really appreciate you sharing your story, man. And I definitely want to welcome you to anytime you want to come chat, promote anything, just be a guest and talk about comic books you know we can go ahead and dive in um you know right now we're gonna post this show um here another week and we're gonna put the video up for everybody to visit but um i want to take a moment man just kind of say you know maybe some words of wisdom or something uh, that be it in art be it in whatever you've gone through your journey that you can let someone know that's hearing this, that's kind of maybe in a similar situation, that's kind of scared to take that jump, you know, you know what, to pull the trigger, or what can you tell that person that's in a crossroad that you were at when that time came? Yeah, um, I think you you got to believe in yourself more than anyone else. You know, um, it's easy to fall back on on people on your support groups, your family, your friends, and hope when it comes time that they believe in you more than you. But but you have to believe in yourself more than anyone. And I think part of that is getting to know yourself because we spend a lot of time in, in the U.S. just – getting to the next grade, getting to the next job, getting to the next check, getting to the next this or that or the other. But we don't sit down with ourselves and learn who who we are as a person. And people go 
ages, they'll make it to middle age and old age and realize they don't know themselves. And that's when, that's when like midlife and the quarter life crises come about. So if anything, learn yourself, be confident in that because there's no one else like you and, and believe in yourself more than anyone else, because anyone who's achieved anything is not that different from you. You know, I know that as people of color and as Latinos, we can have this imposter syndrome, which I think is rooted in what I was talking about earlier of the negative context that which we have that that our society holds us to. So breaking that down and realizing that any anybody, any CEO, any project manager, any like famous artist, anything, anyone that has done anything has come from the same type of cells that you are. And every, we all have our specialties. We all have our talents and just double down on them if you can. And uh, if you can make the jump, do it. Um, Another thing is, and kind of separately is that no matter what you're doing, if you're unhappy doing it, you're probably going to be unhappy doing something else. So when I was at my, my old jobs, there were points where I was happy, points where I was unhappy. And when I switched jobs, there was points where I was happy and where I was unhappy. But what I had to do is figure out how to be happy in those roles and appreciate what I did have, center myself in my own self to be prepared to, to, to take on the journey that I have now, because if I didn't address that, I would still be unhappy. I get it. I get it. It's not just make a bad situation so you can leave easily. It's easy when things are bad, right? To leave. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, it's bad. It's going bad. I'm gonna get fired soon or I hate it or I'm not meeting quota and walk away. But when things are good, that's when you really got to make the decision. Like if things are good here, do I really want to stay? And when you make that call, you know, you've made the right decision, right? perfect josh thank you man and primos thanks for listening tonight uh, as always remember all the show costs is a like share and a subscription thank you guys for listening cuídense adios <laughs>